You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. Welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. Today, my name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert. Joined with us across the table, that is the one, the only, Jack Foster. Today is Thursday, January the 26th. We are almost to the month of February. It is just a couple days away. But man, oh man, is there a lot to talk about right now from the world of Tennessee athletics. Again, with it being Thursday, that means we have two, not one, but two. So nice, they'll do it twice College game day coming up from Thompson Bowling Arena right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. There is a lot to get into on the basketball side of things. We will expand, though. We'll talk about some more more than just basketball, though. we got a lot to get into today. Go ahead and open it up to the table. Good afternoon, my friends. How are things going? Ryan, I'll start with you. What's new? Not much. Doing well. Coming uh, a day later. Got a little midweek basketball uh, in with the Tennessee men's team yesterday. Obviously a massive game tonight for the Lady Vols, so... Things keep churning on, a little bit of football contract news, but all good uh, with me. Glad to be back uh, out of COVID, back in Knoxville, not traveling, and yeah. getting uh, a little semblance of normalcy. And then once again, for only the second time so far since the three of us have been together, we are all here in studio, which is wonderful. Right. I think maybe since that first time, you two have done a show, we've done a show. <laughs> I think we, we maybe have hit each you know side of the triangle, but now we're all back together. Jack Foster in the building. Jack, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm glad to be back in Knoxville and here with you guys. It was a fun Christmas break. Had had a couple of trips to go to, but we're back and we're ready for um, my penultimate semester at UTK. How there about that? Only two yeah. more left. There we go. So very nice. Great use of penultimate. Forward to that. Yeah, there you go. It is a good word. The vocabulary is, is growing, Ryan. I'm becoming more like you. I'm looking up to you. <laughs> but Ricky, I hope you're doing okay. I know it's four days removed from the game, but I hope you're finally oh, recouping and thank you doing better. So. Thank you. We did have, uh, I guess we had two divisional round playoff losses here at the table. Are, yeah, had... yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Trevor Lawrence guy, so the Jaguars losing. Um, I, of course, I expected that. And, yeah. you know, the way they lost was actually pretty inspiring. They played well and yeah. hung tight with the Chiefs. But, yeah. Ours was not. The Cowboys on the other hand. Ours was not inspiring. <laughs> not even in the, in the slightest. I think if you, if you maybe went into that game wanting to be inspired, I think you are motivated in the complete opposite direction. I mean, you're not even, you haven't even left the couch since if you went into that game wanting to be inspired for greatness to some level or degree. But anyways, that is in the rearview mirror. Luckily, though, that's where it is. <laughs> we, don't need to, we don't need to go too much NFL right now. It's still a, no, still a wound. You guys, of... got a, you guys got a new GM, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm... Uh... Ran Carthen? Is it Ran mm-hmm. or Ron? Ran. Ran. It's, yeah, it's, it's it, it, a little different. Yeah, Ran Carthen, Florida football player. Um, but people say good things about him. And national media obviously was with San Francisco. I don't know how much credit he deserves for putting together that great roster. But I'm on the uh, I'm on board now of just convincing myself into Titans getting Trey Lance. And uh, that, oh, being, that wow. being you saw his Instagram story. Right? I, oh yeah, I saw his <laughs> Instagram story. I was saying it out loud for a day, seeing how I felt about it. I liked it for a day, and then the next day I was, all right, it's time. Full board. Let's make the Trey Lance to Nashville happen. Okay. All chips into the middle of the table. I wonder if you're in the minority with that. A lot of Titans fans I know are anti-Trey Lance, but I like your optimism. Yeah, I mean, I 
we'll see if it happens or, or whatever. But to me, it seems like it would be a cheaper option than a lot of the alternatives with a much higher ceiling than a lot of those more expensive alternatives would have. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. The Titans are – there's not any clear and obvious way forward for them right now. So it's nothing cut and dry. Speaking of the Titans, I believe today is uh... – the birthday of none other than Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I just saw oh, that nice. on Twitter. Happy yeah. birthday, Josh Dobbs. There you go. Avid listener of the podcast. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Definitely. Guys, we got plenty of basketball to talk about today, so why don't we go ahead and start there. But we go backwards to talk about basketball. As yesterday, Tennessee took on Georgia right there in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. And, man, it, it was a dominant game from pretty much start to finish. Tennessee ended up with a, what, a 29-point win by a score of 70-41. to 41. Georgia barely... And I mean barely. If you were not watching this game, if you were not keeping up with this game, there was a real conversation that was going on throughout the entire second half of, is Georgia going to hit 40 points? And minus a, you know, really just a a, a lackadaisical play, a a play at the very, you know, in the winding down seconds, Georgia does hit that final field goal to put them up to 41 points. But it was close right there. Ultimately, it was an absolute, just, uh, it, it was a... It was an incredible showing of Tennessee's defensive ability. And it's not like that's the first one of the year so far, but, man, what a a dominant performance in SEC play a couple days right before one of your biggest games of the season, right after one of your first big losses of the season. This was a, a an absolute beatdown from Tennessee on Wednesday night. It really was. And first 10 minutes were pretty tight, and Tennessee led, and I would say it was in control, but Georgia was right in striking distance, and then... A little back and forth. Yeah, the final, I believe it was 10.57 of the first half, Georgia scores five points, Tennessee opens <laughs> up a, a very sizable lead, and then that really just continued on in the second half. Uh, Georgia scored, I believe, what was .55 points per possession, which I don't know uh, how closely our, our listeners follow that the points per possession stat, but that's a crazy, crazy number. I mean, one point per possession is usually a pretty good number, but you, typically you're not too far south of that, or at least too far south of point eight. and Georgia was .55. So uh, dominant outing, and that's kind of, in, in a lot of ways, has become the norm for this Tennessee team. They don't play down to their level of competition at all, and that, what I believe is their 11th 20-point win in the season, the most in program history, and it's fourth in eight SEC games. It's fourth win by 20-plus 20, 20 points. That's and wasn't it nineteen to seventeen, like ten minutes in? Yeah, that was. Yeah. So, ten, it, it, it was. So they scored twenty four points the rest of the way in the last thirty minutes. Yep, that ten, is remarkable. Ten fifty eight was when Georgia scored to make it nineteen to seventeen, gotcha. and then Tennessee scored maybe a minute and a half later. This kind of start uh, what was a big run, but yeah, it was. It was like twenty three minutes plus that it took Georgia to score seventeen points again after they scored it for the first one in, in just over nine minutes. You know, we were in the middle of the second half of the game yesterday, and. You know, the 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 beatdown is well, you know, well within happening at this point. It, it is well underway. Tennessee is cruising to the victory, and Ryan and one of our one of our good friends, Mike Wilson, they're kind of uh, they're talking about something, and I hear the name come up, Drew Pember. So I kind of <laughs> look over to Ryan and I go, "Are you talking about Drew Pember over there?" And he goes, "Yeah, I think he's going to single handedly outscore Georgia tonight for for UNC Asheville." Which you can go read Jack's great article over on RockyTopInsider.com. He did. Yeah. Drew Pember ended up single-handedly outscoring the Georgia Bulldogs basketball team. Not that they were on the same court or even in the same state, you know, but still, that's pretty, that's and he, and he did it by a touchdown. There yeah. you go, and he did it by did a full touchdown. I know that game went to overtime. Do you know how many he had in regulation? I do not. Um, he had f- so I don't. I didn't do the research. Okay. Yeah. Was didn't. it forty-eight in total? It was forty-eight, 48 in, in total. total. I, I want to say he had forty in regulation, but I, I think he did, I think he at least had forty in yeah. regulation. 
But, yeah, he played 43 minutes. He op- The game opened UNC Asheville's first 15 points were all from him, all from three. That's crazy. Five threes to start the game. You're kidding? Eight to ten. For, I saw that wow. eight to ten was the number, and that's – that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's what a performance! It's the most points any D one player scored in a game all this season. season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that number and that performance. I mean, you just said it, it's the most points anybody scored in a game all season. But credit to Drew Pember because he puts up massive numbers like really frequently. I mean, like, yeah. he is an absolute stat sheet stuffer. Basically, averaging a double double this year: twenty and a half uh, points a game, and then nine point eight rebounds per game. And he was the what is that? The Big South, uh, I believe he was the Big South defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year last year, maybe a son. One of the, whatever conference. No, it's Big South. It's Big right. South. Okay. He is a completely different just individual than when he arrived to Tennessee in the first place. Like, looks, game yeah. on the court, I mean, absolutely everything. It just looks completely different than when, again, was a true freshman at Tennessee. Looks like he went camping for a while and didn't yeah. take a razor. <laughs> yeah. And came back and ready to ball. <laughs> no, you're right. He he was baby-faced at Tennessee, and you're right. Now he's got the beard, and it's – it's curious. I mean, it's you wonder what he could have turned into at Tennessee. Obviously, he wouldn't have been a guy putting up those type of numbers. But it is curious how much I do think him going to UNC Asheville has been a good fit for him just for a, a confidence standpoint because that was something that it seemed like uh, he was lacking at times at Tennessee. Yeah, it did. So, anyways, that was uh, a little bit of what, what happened on Wednesday. Again, just a, a, an absolute beatdown for Tennessee over Georgia. But now we kind of turn our eyes and turn the attention to Saturday. Right, you had a great, uh, you had a great line there on the Rocky Top Insider post game show, the Instant Reaction show. It is an unbelievable alliteration game for Tennessee on the basketball court this weekend. You have a Thompson Bowling Arena top ten tilt between Tennessee and Texas right there on the basketball court. You do it. You know, it's it's the Mark Titus line, top ten tilt. Tell. That uh, we had a once earlier season Tennessee Arizona game. I had a, we had a full week of preparation of uh, that one, six days because Tennessee didn't play between yeah. Maryland and Arizona during yeah. exam weeks. And whenever we're going into one of those games, I I have an absolute uh, addiction of saying top ten tilt in that voice. So uh, I'm glad it's not going to be a full week this time. But well, what should be a, a pretty pretty exciting game at Thompson Bowling Arena, and I think a chance in some ways. It's not exactly like that, but in some ways, kind of a do over. For the Thompson Bowling Arena crowd for Tennessee, first big game at home they had two weeks ago, obviously laid a neck against Kentucky. The crowd wasn't very good. Now you get another chance in a primetime opportunity, ESPN, college game day will be there. Uh, one of the biggest games on Saturday uh, between the Vols and the Longhorns. Yeah, this is a chance to, you know, there's been a consensus within the media and just if you go on Twitter that Tennessee fans aren't as into this basketball teams as teams past. I think a big reason of that is while Tennessee has done really well, it's been winter winter break. You know, students just now got back to campus. And you saw the George game last night. There was a healthy contingent of students there showing up and showing out. But a win with game day here over Texas, like you said, in in a top ten matchup, that will be big for this Tennessee team to really – I mean, they're already fourth ranked in the nation. It's not like they have a lot to prove. But this would go on to prove that they are a legitimate top contender in college basketball. No, you're absolutely right, and it's a season, there's so much parity at the top of college basketball, and I think the, the numbers work out with Ken Palm, where like the top five in Ken Palm is, their combined rating is like the lowest it's been in, in 12 years, and I think it's almost the same with like the 6 to 10 range, too, and then if you get into the top 20, it's still at the bottom in the last 12 years, but it's not the very, very bottom, and when you have a year like that, to me, it's all about consistency. Who can be the most consistent? There's a lot of teams that can show that have shown talent, that can show they can play at a high level. Tennessee is certainly one of them. 
but you have had a few blimps on the radar. Obviously, the Colorado game was super, super early, but you look back at that one, that's a really puzzling loss. And then, obviously, Tennessee played really, really poorly uh, against Kentucky a few weeks ago. So they bounced back exactly how you would like. They were undermanned at Mississippi State, and they used a big second half to win. They've won their last two since then uh, by 20-plus points. Now, another big game, another opportunity with a lot of eyes on you. I think it's about Tennessee showing that consistency. I think they're the better, te- the better team, and certainly playing at home, it's a game that they will be favored by a handful of points. Yeah, and I think you talk about that consistency, right? And you, you look at it from the players as well and kind of what Tennessee needs to continue this stretch going on. One of the most consistent players right now, at least in SEC play, last couple of games has been Zakai Ziegler. He has been just on an absolute tear. And I know that that's a conversation that we brought up on the last podcast and heck, maybe even the podcast before that, considering it's been kind of going on for so long since, you know, he's kind of really taken over as this starting point guard spot. But man, he has been tremendous. And to me, really kind of indicative of what this Tennessee team and where it's going. Obviously, we know that this team doesn't have a superstar, but what they doesn't have a superstar in the sense of a guy who's, you know, going to go out and get 25 points every single game and a low for him would be 20 points, right? They don't have that kind of superstar score necessarily in the team. I think yesterday what you saw, though, is a good indication of when this Tennessee team is striking, they're doing it from a balanced format. They're doing it where anybody and everybody can get involved at any time. And again, I think the one of that's one of the starting places for that for that and for that offense is having a point guard like Zakai Ziegler able to get anybody involved again, anytime, anywhere. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned we talked about it. I just feel like it's flown under the radar. I know. Like he's, I know. he's been so, so good in SEC play and you could go through a long list of his last couple games, or really all of SEC play, but the last two games, to me, stands out the best in the number. 17 assists, zero turnovers. He's just playing point guard at an extremely, extremely high level. He added 12 points and 11 points in both those games, six combined steals. He does it on the defensive end, he does it on the offensive end, and the balance, you know, it has pros, it has cons, and certainly the con is Tennessee does not have a go-to scorer. I think it's the balance is more sustainable when you have a point guard like Sakai Ziegler who can basically get by his man just about every time, break his man down, and now that he is looking to be pass first, which he's never in his whole life, uh, at least that's what he and Rick Barnes say, has been, been like that, been that type of player. Now that he's becoming that type of player, they're consistently getting good looks. It's not just like you are relying on one player to play one of their best games every night. He is a guy that can get everybody into their spots, into the shots that they practice, into the shots that they're good at and comfortable at. And to me, that makes uh, the offensive shortcomings of this team or or maybe uh, weaknesses, something you look at, you worry about. To me, it mitigates a lot of those concerns. I think the reason Zakai is flying under the radar is because he's not flashy like Kennedy Chandler was. You know, I mean, this guy's got his great story and all that, but on the court, he's not as flashy. He's not driving, making a ton of ridiculous baskets, you know, popping these threes left and right. So, but he's getting a ton of assists and he's moving the offense he's leading the offense in a very in very well over this past stretch this last three games it's 47 combined points that's his most in a three-game stretch in sec play in his tennessee career so wow. he's yeah. playing the best wow. basketball against okay. quality competition he's played and not to mention on the defensive end of the court uh just earlier today earlier on thursday afternoon Zakai ziegler named one of the 15 finalists for the 2023 uh naismith men's defensive player of the year so not only are you getting a guy who is orchestrating the offense at a very, very high level, able to get anybody involved no matter what kind of 
rotation, what kind of four, you know, other four players he's starting with. Not only do you have a, a very impactful shooter and a score, like you were talking about a second ago, Jack, with, hey, your most combined points in three games and, you know, your, your time here at Tennessee and SEC play. But then you add in, he's one of the 15 finalists for the best defensive player in the nation award. It's remarkable is really the only word I can, you know, I can put. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what's to come later in the season a little bit later on down the road. But, man, again, you just look at this first half, first two-thirds of this season, whatever it is, remarkable it is the only word that comes to my head. It is. And I think going back to Jack's point about 47 points in the last three games, he is one of the guys that has the ability to score a lot of points. You can't rely on him to score 29 in a night out, but at Mississippi State, when Tennessee was down two guys in their backcourt and they were struggling to score, he scores 24 points in that game, and he was a go-to guy. So he does have that extra gear. Uh, he's probably one of, I don't know what you say, maybe three or four guys on this team that has that gear. I would say Vescovy has it. I would say Josiah has it, and probably Olivier Camois has it as well. Um, but there aren't many of them, and he does have it And Rick, you lead me into what excites me so much about Saturday's game is the way Santiago Vescovi and Sakai Ziegler set the tone defensively. I mean, it's it's just a masterpiece to watch. And, and I mean, they put Terry Roberts in, in an absolute blender last night and, and made his life miserable. <laughs> and you come in, and I think the best Texas brings the best offensive backcourt that Tennessee's seen all year. You have Marcus Carr, uh, the transfer from Minnesota, Tyrese Hunter, who yeah. it doesn't put up as big as numbers, but to me is a more impressive player, is a more polished player, uh, transfer from Iowa State. A guy that went to Texas over Tennessee, if that name sounds familiar uh, to yeah, people remember, out there yeah. in the summer. So those two guys are really good, and what they can do on the offensive end matched up against what Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi have pretty consistently done to take uh, opponents' best guards out of games makes for a really, really exciting matchup. You know, I was the opposite in high school. I took my talents to Tennessee instead of Texas. That's right. Fun fact. Star State. Fun fact. No, that's a lie. I was not admitted into the University of Texas. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Can't keep going. Can't keep that lie going. Well, you went to the real UT. So take solace in that. There sure. you go. There you go. The, the first UT, anyway. It, Jack, any? Uh, oh no, go ahead. Yeah, the one final thing I was just going to say uh, on you talk about uh, Zakai being on that top fifteen watch list for best yeah. defenders in the country. Uh, Evan Mayakawa who is an analytics-based basketball site. He does player rankings. He's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's it's really a must-follow. He's a must-follow, yeah. and his site is a must-look-up for any college basketball fan, I would say. But if you – I don't – probably no one out here who would fall in this. But if you cover college, any college basketball yeah. team, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible tool. Friend of uh, RTI as well. Friend of – yeah, friend. friend of the program. And uh, you look at his player rankings, as every player in the country, and their specific defensive rankings. This just shows how good Tennessee is defensively. Julian Phillips is number two. Jonas Adu is number five. Kai Ziegler is number six. Josiah Jordan-James is number seven. And then Santiago Vescovi is number 14. So you're talking that about is wild. having five of the best defenders, best eight defenders in the country, and six of the top 15 defenders in the country. It's Is that the start? That's not the starting lineup that they've been going with the last two games? You have Jonas Adu in there instead of uh, Olivier Camois. Okay, But besides go. that, the other four So your, your are... other four starters of kind of this new-look Tennessee starting five that they've been yep. going with lately, which has been impressive. What do you what do you guys think about that new-look starting five? To me, it's – we saw it a lot last year. They yeah. never started it, but they started playing it, and it's their offensive ceiling is just so much higher uh, when yes. they, they can space the court better. And even a game like last night where Josiah Jordan-James did not shoot the ball well – Teams have to respect him, and teams have to respect Olivier Camois for, from 3-2. So I think it opens up a lot of those driving lanes for Zakai Ziegler, also for Santiago Vescovi when teams are running him off the three-point line. And 
if they can hold up defensively, which you look at these numbers, you would think they can, and it's probably the size is the question, but Josiah has shown in the past that he can guard bigger guys. I think Julian Phillips has that ability too. As long as you can hold up there playing those five guys, to me it's Tennessee's best lineup. And it was I was curious if they would ever mix up the starting lineup, but I like the fact that they did, and, and to me it seemed like a, a pretty good time to do so. And I like when – yeah, but – your last point there, the, the good time to do so. I like when they did it right now, yeah. right? Where you had this stretch of not the best SEC competition world, so you kind of test some things out, and then as the schedule gets tougher, you have this rhythm going on. And you mentioned Evan Mayakawa. The kill shot, by the way, yeah. is the coolest thing ever. Like Just reading about kill shots and how they impact games, and you've written about it over at RockyTopInsider.com. They had another one last night. And they were close. They had two 9-0 yeah, runs in the first really half close. last night, so they, they were really close to having a yeah. couple more. Uh, but you're right, and, and – Tennessee has has been so good at creating them, and uh, they were solid at it last year, but they gave up a lot, too. And to mm-hmm, me, they, right. They've only given up three this year, too. We're in the first half of that Kentucky game when, obviously, they played really poorly. It's It's been a good – I think a lot of the growth for this Tennessee team from last year to this year that maybe the average fan doesn't doesn't jump out the page. I think a lot of that is shown in the kill shot and sure. a, a lot of what Tennessee's done well. And they got 21 the season now? Yep. They had 20 entering last 21 night. 21 so. on the season now, yeah. giving up three. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's a, uh, it's a wild stat and one that it's good to follow. All right, so we will have a predictions article coming out a little bit later on in the week. I guess that'll be either Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, I would say. But we will have a prediction for this game coming up, Tennessee and Texas, on Saturday night in Knoxville. But real quick, without giving a, a winner or a score, which way, which way are you guys kind of leaning for this game? Uh, it's going to be a 40-minute game nonetheless. I'm going to say Tennessee close, about a 4-5 to win. Yeah, I like Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a better team than Texas. Not that there's a big margin, but I do think they're a bit better team. Games in Knoxville, and I think you'll see a Tennessee team really motivated off of one the fact that they lost to Texas last year with a lot of the same guys on this Texas team that was on that team last year, and then two the fact that what we just said the last big, really the only big game at Thompson Bowling Arena this year. Tennessee laid an egg. I think there will be a lot of motivation for that not to happen again. You know, Zakai Ziegler talked about it after the game yesterday, but he said, "Hey, we are." <laughs> We are very familiar with what happened last year. We are very familiar that they beat us on their own court. We are very familiar that we did not get to carry that win in. We are very familiar that that is happening when we see them again this Saturday. I I do think that there's a lot of motivation right now, and I do think that these guys take this game seriously in these SEC Big 12 uh, crossovers and you know, kind of the bragging rights that can come out of them. I think they know that this is a big game for their head coach and wanting to beat his old team like he didn't get to yet last year. We, we've been talking about the stats and numbers for, for a good 20 minutes now. Uh, I'm going to go with that that edge to the story as to why I do feel like Tennessee has the ability to pick up this game on Saturday night. Now, would I be surprised by anything? I'm not sure I would. This is, like you said, Jack, it's two good teams here, two, uh, two teams in the top ten facing off. But I, I do think that just the added motivation, the added atmosphere, I think is is going to be enough for Tennessee to really have that opportunity to take a big win at home. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys remember, I'm sure you do, but last year after the Texas game and Josiah missed that shot and they lost close in Austin, it was a look, take a look in yourself in the mirror It was um, moment for them. And it was really the season turnaround. It was. It was they 100% had an incredible stretch yep. after that. And it was a big story going into tournament play and just about Kennedy Chandler as well, you know, going to the individuals. So I think they remember that well. And with game day coming like Rick just said, all the, everything going into this game on Saturday, they're going to want to come out and they're going to want to win. Yeah, that's something that uh, you bring up a good point, the Kennedy Chandler thing, and I've, I've made it on a couple radio hits and, and stuff this year that you go and you think about it and think, people think about how, you know, maybe being a little critical of Julian Phillips or when he was on a, a rough stretch or Tennessee's offense, 
Tennessee didn't figure a lot out until that Texas game last year. <laughs> yeah. And really it was after that game when Kennedy Chandler hit his stride and started playing at a really high level. And what followed that was Tennessee's offense playing at a much higher level and playing some of that small ball. So it, there's still a lot of time left in the season. And if you've listened to Rick Barnes talk at all, you know that he thinks his team has a lot of getting better to do to get to its goals. And I think when you look at how they've played for the vast majority of the year, that's a uh, a positive thought if you're a Tennessee fan and a scary thought if you're not one. Yeah, I mean, last year, Tennessee-Texas, it was January 29th. Yeah. So it's actually happened earlier this year. And after that Texas loss last year, they went on to beat Auburn and Kentucky and Arkansas and TBA and have some good wins. I think they just lost, well. what, one more game before the, at, in Fayetteville uh, was the only game I think they lost yeah. after that day. The charge call before game. Yeah. The, yes, the charge, the charge call game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When t- wow. Zakai, Kennedy, right. and, and Vescovy were all in foul trouble because of yes, charges. Yeah, right. uh, is that Jalen Williams? Jalen Williams, yeah, yeah for, the charge for the master. Hogs. Yep. Real quick, just because I, I have, I have enjoyed bits and pieces of the conversation happening on Twitter this week. Does anybody have a definitive answer uh, on who they think is the better Tennessee team between this current oh 2023 team and the 2018 Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, Jordan Bone team? Does anybody have a, a definitive? answer way that you're going there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about this uh on the internet the last couple of days i don't have a definitive answer i think i don't know who started the scuttlebutt either i think the teams are huh. in a lot of ways very flipped where this team is yeah. unbelievable defensively that right. team is unbelievable offensively that team really had it struggles defensively really struggled in my opinion i think people forget about how bad that team struggled to, to defend ball screens in that season and uh, this year obviously the offense has been inconsistent at times the defense has been phenomenal and to me the the one thing that people I think that I think a lot of the reaction has been how could it, this you possibly think this team's better than the 18-19 team and one of the things people go to I mean I think even Grant Williams tweeted it look compared to starting lineups yep. who would yep. wh- where are you taking the 2022 team yep granted I would say I would probably take Zakai Ziegler as well good as Jordan Bone was for a lot of that season I would certainly take Santiago Vescovi over Lamonte, but the difference is that team had no depth. That guy, that team could rely on six. six yes. Could rely on six this guys. Has, this team has so many yes. rotations they can run. They and ten deep. Yeah, and then John Fulkerson. I mean, John Fulkerson and East Ponds were the seventh and eighth man on that team. And I would say I trust Tobey Iwaka more than I trust both of those guys. And he's probably the ninth man on Tennessee or, or tenth man. And Jemai Meshack's probably. I probably trust him about as much, maybe even a little bit more than I trust those guys. And him and Tobey are, are nine and ten, so this team is way, way, way deeper. Sounds and, like you're leaning twenty twenty two. I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence about Here's it. Here's right kind now. of the way that the way that I've seen it this week is that if you had a one game, right? It, it is twenty eighteen versus twenty twenty two, twenty three, right? One court to to decide this thing. I kind of do lead maybe the 2018 team just because of that edge, because of that offensive firepower. I, I, I think it's nasty. So the one game. That's kind of where I lean. But if you give this a, a seven-game series, if you let these teams really go back and forth at each other, really kind of figure out each other out, uh, there's not a lot of hesitation that I'm taking the this current Tennessee basketball team. I, I, I just think that the defense over a, a, over a stretch of games would be so such a, a challenge to get over, such an obstacle to overcome. I, I think that, you know, give me a couple games and I'm taking this current Tennessee team. At least that's the way that I've seen it. Yeah, I'll take the 2018 one. I just I just side with the scores. I think it'd be very close, and Tennessee's defense this year is obviously incredible. But I'm just going to go with Grant and Admiral on the scores. Yeah, it's really close. I mean, if I'm not, I wouldn't argue with anybody's answers. I 
I just take exception to the people who are like, oh, how could you have yeah, this debate? It, yeah, the people who are like, so... Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's not that cut and dry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's it's pretty clear, like, a debate that it could go either way. And I, I do think, uh, to your point, Jack, like, the one thing that wor- I don't even worries me about Tennessee defense, but Tennessee defense, but good big men, whether you play good defense or not, they can score on you a lot. And certainly Grant Williams scored against a lot of good defense yeah. in his, his tenure. So, in a fictional game that will never happen... <laughs> that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> We're getting off the rails. <laughs> College game day is going to be in town on Saturday morning for the game against Texas on Saturday night. But first, we actually saw them setting up yesterday after the Georgia game because they're going to be here tonight, which is Thursday night, for the Tennessee Lady Vols versus UConn game. A huge, monumental matchup in the women's college basketball world, really in the college basketball world. As these two rivals square off, it's always going to be a, a, a big deal with big headlines and big storylines going into the game. We know how big of Pat Summit's legacy kind of hangs over this this game and, and really encompasses so much about it. We are going to be there tonight. Rocky Top Pinsetter will be. Jack Foster will be at that game. Any kind of thoughts on, on, how, this gonna, uh, on how this game is going to go for Tennessee? I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, or this could be after the game is already over. Yeah, no yeah. pressure. Just quick thought here. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you hope that Jordan Horson isn't sick, right? Because yeah. she could, couldn't play against Missouri, so having her is a must, I think, if you're going to potentially win this game. Of course, Tennessee isn't ranked, but they're right on the outside looking in. They're getting votes in both polls. They've won nine straight. They're 8-0 no in SEC play. It's been a run. It's one of their best it's starts in SEC play they've had in quite some time. So, I mean, hey. They... And this has all been without Tamari Key, right? Right. I mean, yes. she went down, what, maybe like 10-ish games into the season? Or am I completely um, it wrong It was late here? non-com play. It's sometime in December. Or, yeah, mid-December, I Mid-December, think. Mid-December, it's okay. out before yeah, Christmas, no, I think. They've done it all without TK, and they've been, you know, dealing with illnesses here and there, so... If they're, if they're full force, Rakia Jackson and Sarah Puckett are playing very good basketball right now. There's a chance they could pull off the upset. I think it's close no matter what, just because the storied rivalry and with TBA being here, and Tennessee teams always seem to do well when they're in Knoxville, yep. right? So I think it'll be close, but I am leaning UConn a little bit um, just because of the talent they have. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, give me a Lady Vols hot take. I'm, I'm going to put you right on the spot. I'm put the the shine the light right in your eyes here. Give me a Lady Vols hot take. <laughs> the Lady Vols hot take is an an incredible request. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess my hot take will be, is, and I don't even know if this is a hot take, I think they'll win one of the next two. It, they've been playing really well for a while, but I think there's kind of been the cloud or the overhang of, can they do it against a real good team? Because when they played the real good teams earlier in the year, they struggled. They right. get uh, UConn tonight at home. They go to LSU on Monday. Those are two of the three hardest games they'll have left on the season. I, I think they'll win one of them. I don't know if that's a hot take. Maybe well, that's what most people think, but uh, I think they, they get over to hump and, and win a big one the next couple of days. No, you're right. I and mean, people are saying about this Lady Vols team is that this stretch, it's come against, you know, a below average team. Yeah. So I'm like, but they're wrecking the conference. So, yeah. so the conference is having a little bit of a down year. It is. And, but uh, it's, the Lady Vols have won, I think, six of their eight SEC wins by double digits. And that's why you play the schedule they played in. Everyone's hammering them for being bad. Everyone's hammering them for being bad in non-conference. Well, you played that but non-conference, you so you're ready. Yeah, and, figure it out for conference play. Yeah, exactly. And and they've been able to do that. So it's And their last two losses were Virginia Tech and Stanford, both top ten teams late last year. One was by three points and one was by seven. So. Didn't every team that they lost to in pre-conference slates, so I guess every loss they have, weren't they all in the top 25 right now? Yes, Am I making and that I up? think like four were top ten. Yeah, yes. Indiana, uh, Ohio State's number four two in the country. Ohio State, Virginia Tech, yeah. and yeah. Stanford. Yeah, four. yeah. So because the, and the other ones were UCLA, who ended up doing really well, and uh, can't remember the other one. But yeah, yeah. But all great teams they yes. lost to. Yeah, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. That's right, gentlemen. Down in Bahamas. 
Yes. Is anybody here, uh, please raise your hand if you are making $9 million per year at your career. Why is your, why is your hand up, Rick? Yeah, oh, I, that was more of an example. Please, nobody? What do we not know about? Nobody? Nobody's making $9 million here a year? Oh, we'll talk about who is right after the break. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show. Tennessee football head coach Josh Heupel signs a contract extension on Tuesday afternoon through the 2028 season that'll pay him $9 million annually plus incentives. That was announced by the university just a couple days ago. And man, this is a a big jump just to think about where Josh Heupel started when he got his first contract. We all remember when Danny White brought in Josh Heupel at the end of January. Shoot, maybe even about almost two years ago this week, I would imagine, because it was January 20, January 21st, 2021, that Danny White was officially hired. So that was five days ago, two years uh, so we got to be close to, to the Josh Heupel news at this point. But when he first arrived to Tennessee, man had a $4 million annual contract. That gets bumped up to $5 million after the first year. So that was in after the 2021 season. And then again, after the 2022 season. So where we are currently right now, now that's bumped all the way up to $9 million a year. Not too bad doubling your million-dollar paycheck uh, here within just two years at the University of Tennessee. It was no surprise. I mean, no surprise either. Uh, you know, with the one, the fact that he got an extension, I mean, that was a given, but I think the numbers were about what I expected. I mean, you look at the way the contracts uh, have really exploded over the last couple of years, it, it would have been hard to imagine him not at the very least, you know, making $8 million plus, And I thought $9 million made a lot of sense. Tied for the fifth highest uh, salary in the SEC with Lane Kiffin. He's about half a million behind Brian Kelly and Jimbo Fisher um, and then Kirby and. Nick Saban are kind of in a class of their own, as, as they probably should be. So yeah. I thought it made a lot of sense and, and certainly was something Tennessee wanted to get done, needed to get done. And to me, it's always interesting, you know, you look at the actual contract once they, they put it out. Um, they didn't really put it out, but it was on. It was made available on the Tennessee <laughs> yep. Transparency website uh, on Tuesday. And the contract was signed, I believe it was December 18th. It was about a week before Christmas. And uh journalism problems it's Tuesday you want to say Josh Heibel signs a new contract Tuesday he didn't sign the contract Tuesday the contract's been done for almost a month it's been announced but Tennessee announced it uh, this week and certainly uh, good news for the Vols you know and and it's even going into last season I'm not sure if we said this or not but I do think that there were you know we we all kind of knew what was going to be on the table right you get to seven wins you probably buy yourself a little bit more time and a little bit more effort going forward you get to eight or nine wins man now you're now you're sitting pretty you know pretty good there in your second season you reach around the 10 which i guess they weren't at the 11 win mark yet so you get to the 10 win mark though of a regular season you get to that 10 and 2 record now you're probably looking at a payday down the road seems to be that's what that's what kind of that's kind of how the the events unfolded for Josh Heupel, but yeah, like you were saying, that's that's expected, man. When you can when you can take a program from what three and seven to ten and two in just two years, when you're yeah, in the incredible. SEC, when you're going up against the back to back national champion, when you're going up against you know what was it four out of the last or excuse me four the last four national champions at some point this year, when all those things are happening in just your second year at a, at a school, man, you can find success. You're going to be rewarded for it. And, Tennessee's Josh Heupel is now going up to $9 million a year. Yeah, not only is an 11-2 season really special for Tennessee football, given their recent history, but it's special, especially special for a second-year head coach to do so. Yeah. So you couldn't keep Josh Heupel out of the top 10 coaches in terms of salary. You know, you had to give him 
an, an extension and a bonus. And now that he's a top five paid head coach in the SEC, I think that's very fair. And it was expected, as you guys said. And like you said, top five in the SEC. Here's how kind of the numbers go. And this was via uh, Mike Bratton on Twitter just a couple days ago. Nick Saban at Alabama comes in number one at 11, uh, $11.7 million. Kirby Smart at Georgia, 11.25. Brian Kelly, LSU, 9.5, which, by the way, <laughs> yeah, did you see that? Wait, what are your the extra what kind of what kind of things are going on in Baton Rouge right now, where the football coach gets an extra one million dollar payout? They they found it through the what through the audit or through the taxes or how I haven't read the full story yet, but how, whatever's going on down there, crazy times. Well, I mean, I I just saw like very briefly that that had happened, and someone made the joke about paid recruits an extra million dollars, but you know that's what. The rumor of how you know private schools used to do it, how Duke yeah. basketball, that's what people thought how Duke basketball paid players, is that they gave the assistant coaches an extra $1.5 million. They don't have to report that because they're a private school. Sure. And said, all right, go out and get the players with this extra million dollars. So it was very funny. funny. I'm sure – well, I'm not sure. I can't imagine <laughs> that they would be that careless. But granted, what, weren't they a few years ago taking money that was supposed to be going to a hospital and paying it to players? So Yeah, LSU is – Yeah, LSU they're, is they're, a different they're shady. down there. Maybe I'm giving them a little too much credit that they, would, they wouldn't try to get away with something like this. Maybe they would, but uh, – Remember, this I wouldn't. SEC I wouldn't. Football. I wouldn't think so. But yeah, I mean, that's the best way of putting it. This was just like a classic SEC football story. Yeah, it is. So that was that was wild. That just came out this week. Anyways, number four, Jimbo Fisher, nine and a half million from Texas A and M. And then you get to a pair of number fives, uh, Josh Heupel and Lane Kiffin, both right there at nine million, one spot above Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who has eight and a half million. And the rest of the numbers are on our website and again via Mike Bratton on Twitter just a couple days ago. But that's fascinating. I, I think Jack, like you said, you, you had to get him away from that. You know, kind of the the bottom of the bunch right there. I, at the last $5 million contract that he is at, and I think a couple of guys have gotten a, a contract worked in the meantime, but he was in those last few spots. You get a Tennessee, you get a 10 and 2 season at Tennessee in just your second year. You are you are going to vault up that, that list pretty quickly. And you mentioned the, the Jimbo Fisher contract, and obviously that's been much maligned for AM struggles, but particularly the fact that it's 100% of his buyout is owed to him at any time. That's not how this is, how Heigl's contract works. If he is fired before December 15th, 2025, Tennessee would owe him 100%. If it happens between December 15th of 2025 and December 14th of 2027, they owe him 75%. And if it happens between December 15th of 2027 and when uh, his contract runs out after the 2028 season, it would be 50% of his buyout. So as as expected, the later that the years go by, the more that the buyout would drop over time. I think it's very fair. Yeah, no, it, yeah. exactly. And I think that works out where, you know, if I will keep some winning and has seasons like this, his contract will probably keep being negotiated where they'll owe him 100% of the buyout if they fire him further down the road. But it also gives Tennessee some flexibility that if things – aren't going horribly, but they aren't going great here in a few years, you can kind of play the middle ground and, and keep Hypel and be happy with or, or give him more time while also not being completely tied to him and having to commit large, large chunks of money to firing him, if that's something that Tennessee wants to do. But obviously that's not anything Tennessee wants to do right now, and that issue would be something well, well down the road. Tennessee is getting their leaders in place as on Wednesday. And I'm reading this directly from Ryan over at RecktupInsider.com. University of Tennessee Knoxville Chancellor Donnie Plowman announced a contract extension for Director of Athletics Danny White on Wednesday. White's extension starts at $2.2 million annually with a six-year rolling term. Again, I go back to January 2021 when there was just absolute chaos 
happening within the Tennessee sports program. Nobody knew who was coming. Nobody, you know, people knew who who went. People know who left. But there was so much uncertainty. There was so much frustration. There was a lot of apathy going on. People just were sick and tired of being bad for so long. Then comes Danny White into the program, and that was on, again, January 21, 2021. He hires Josh Heupel. A couple of things start to happen. I know that not all of the hires have been under the the Danny White administration. Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, people who have been here before Danny White came into power. But, boy, have you just seen such a transformation from the entire Tennessee athletics program since I think he came to power as the leader of that department, whether it is – uh, fundraising, w- which apparently is happening at, at just record paces, whether it's fan interactions, whether it's getting people to the stadium, whether it's getting people to the arena, no matter what it is, I, I think that you can look at Tennessee athletics in a completely different light over the past two years because of what Danny White has done. Now, this is not my my area of expertise, right? Kind of looking at the business side of things with the athletic director and the fundraising methods and, and everything like that, but I think that anybody can look at this and really kind of understand the impact that he has had with the Tennessee sports program. Again, I know that not all of the success, right, is a, a coach that he hired. Tony Vitello, obviously, very successful with the baseball team right now. Rick Barnes with the basketball team, so on and so forth. But again, I, I think just the the overall continued uh, uh, connections between the athletics program, the connections between each sport, the the consistency that's happening. I think the the expectations. We saw the Rise Glorious plan last year, which right, which was kind of looking at each one of the different aspects, the spokes on the wheel of Tennessee athletics, and saying, "Hey, this is what we expect when it comes to SEC championships. This is what we expect when it comes to national championships." Just getting everybody on the same page again. I think that has done wonders yeah. for Tennessee in the last two years. That, that's kind of my my big take on Danny White. It is again, I, I can't sit here and you know give you the thumbs up on the thumbs down versus every single business decision he has made in over those two years but I think you can really look at this Tennessee sports program where it is now compared to where it was when the calendar was turning to 2021 and just see that it is night and day difference I mean just last year Tennessee was the school that had the most wins across all sports yep. among all schools right and that's yep. Danny White his first year that happened and all the stadium renovations too Neyland Lindsey Nelson coming up you know it's already had a couple but it's about to have some big renovations and of course that is the fans love that right so fans are coming to more games it's creating more space for more fans and you know you can just tell that the coaches are performing better like the baseball team of course went to Omaha you know as soon as Danny White was getting here and stuff and they were already well on their way to becoming one of the nation's best but they've since just blown up as well so yeah, everything's going well, and Danny White, just as much as Josh Heupel, deserves this. Yeah, he deserves a ton of credit, and you go back to talking about all the different coaches. I mean, to me, it's still the craziest stat at Tennessee, and one of the crazier stats in college college sports. You look at the four big sports at Tennessee, four coaches were hired by four different athletic directors. <laughs> Josh Heupel, Kelly Harper, Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, four different athletic directors hired those That's four insane. coaches. And But even with that, I mean, you go, go back to 2021, and there was no... There were big openings of big baseball jobs in the SEC in LSU and Texas A&M, and lots of concerns that Tony Vitello would leave not sure. to go to one yeah. of those jobs. Just retaining and, people too, is yeah, goes unnoticed, but exactly. And uh, th- that's what you talk about the the fan element of the Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations. That's fan element, all that stuff's great. It's better that it makes Tony Vitello happy, and it's what Tony Vitello wants, and it's going to help keep him in Knoxville because that that all that stuff is, is certainly extremely important and. I think he's done a very good job of listening to fans uh, about different stuff. And at the end of the day, the most important thing 
He got the hire right. Tennessee has been looking to get right for 15 years and couldn't. He's hired the football coach that looks to have turned things around. And at the end of the day, all the really important things, all the different things that athletic directors do are part of their job, nothing more important than hiring a football coach. And that's what's going to make or break how people view your success. And two years in, it certainly yeah. looks like he's done a really good job there. Especially at an SEC school. So, again, you know, and I found the date. Josh Hype was hired on January 27th, 2021. So two years ago tomorrow, two years ago this Friday, Josh Hype was officially brought on to be the, the head coach of the University of Tennessee. Uh, two years ago, five days ago, Danny White was brought on to be Tennessee as the athletic director. And again, I, I think that you can just see the, the impact that both those individuals have had, but mainly, you know, especially Danny White, just kind of as, as the, the head honcho in charge of everything. It's been really impressive to watch him work, to watch him get Tennessee back to a, a household name, a powerhouse name, uh, a, a name that, you know, can sit there in the middle of October, right, after beating Alabama and have all these crazy things happen and kind of know that, hey, Tennessee Athletics is back and it's rising uh, it's rising fairly quickly. So all around, uh, two big contract extensions announced this week. Yeah, I believe also highest paid athletic director in the SEC now with that contract extension. So uh, very well deserved. I don't think there'd be anybody that would have anything but rave reviews for what Danny White's done, and Tennessee will uh, try to look to keep it going here in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Ryan, I'm going to switch things up a little bit for the close of the show today. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. So normally, we might do a little bit of shout-outs here. A couple shout-outs here, a couple shout-outs there. But we're not going to do that right now. Instead, we are going to break down, kind of react, give our give our quick thoughts. Tennessee dropped some brand – Tennessee basketball, I should say, before anything. Tennessee basketball dropped some brand-new uniforms on Wednesday afternoon – for the game coming up against Texas this weekend, you can go and look at them over at racketupinsider.com right now or check on with the Tennessee basketball Twitter account, at vault underscore hoops. They are – all right, let me try to do my best here to, to – uh, Paint us a picture, Rick. To paint the picture. It's a wonderful – I can paint – I got a, a great painting of the picture. Let's, let's, let's hear Ryan's. Okay. He have wants you, to paint the picture. The people artist. out there listening, the have you seen the, Ten- Ryan the, Ross. the Tennessee baseball cream uniforms? Yes. It's that in the basketball form. That's exactly what it is. Okay. It's, it's cream uniforms. It's got the old the throwback vol script on it, uh, the numbers right under it on the front. That's uh to me that's the best way of painting the picture. That they look no, to me exactly yeah, you like nailed, the cream you heard what the first thing I said when I saw it was like cream. <laughs> that's yeah. all I said. I was like, Oh, it's the you know, I don't know the shade uh, you know, the picture the pantones. May, may not do it. Yeah, right. But we'll see. But I like it. I we we had kind of discussed before the podcast that yeah. maybe we want to see you know some yeah. dark mode basketball jerseys as we've seen football and baseball do that. I would have been a fan of that, but I am not not a fan of this, so I'm down with it. I like them. They, uh, I'm not. I, I love Tennessee's home and away uniforms. So I was like, when I heard about that they were going to have alternate uniforms, I was kind of. Uh, I'm not sure you need to mix it up much, but I think these look great. And I mean, the Korean baseball jerseys are my favorite baseball jerseys, so uh, of course uh, I'm going to like these as well. I love these. I think they're great basketball uniforms. I think the script looks great. I think Vols looks good in cursive. I think all of that. But I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that it's not black or blue. I think the blue would have been kind of out of left field, right? Kind of, because the, the, the four women's teams at the University of Tennessee have all gotten a brand new Summit Blue jersey this athletics, uh, this academic year, right? We saw uh, soccer, volleyball, um, 
Women's basketball. And basketball softball. and softball. They've each gotten a, a blue jersey. Softball is the only one that has yet to debut that jersey after the women's basketball team did a couple days ago. So I felt like maybe there was a chance, right? Not not blue jerseys, but maybe some blue piping or something like that. Now, I, I still think that could maybe come later on down the road or maybe in a future season as, as you know, they clearly are working with Nike a little bit more on jerseys here in the last couple of years, which hey, maybe that's a Danny White decision. Then, again, shout out to him for what he's doing for the fan base and everything like that. But I also thought that the dark mode jerseys were almost a lock that if Tennessee was going to do alternates, and again, maybe that's still coming later in the season, but I felt like, man, I felt like dark modes were definitely going to be coming. And I really want to see what that orange would look like on the basketball court with the black. So I like these a lot. I don't, do not get me wrong. These are fantastic. Probably, I don't, wanna, I don't know if they're better, but they're on par with the, with the current ones I think Tennessee has. I think those are some really elegant uniforms right there, but a little disappointed. Little disappointed that it wasn't blue or black. I mean, yeah, I'm not. So yeah, I'm, really I'm not either. So no, re- I can't wow. relate. Am I really? I, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm you, solo you are, swimming here. You are actually. Oh my gosh. But, but I do think that I would have liked the black better. But I'm not gonna say I'm disappointed. I'm also not a huge like uniform guy. So I know Ryan is. Ryan always gives approval of if if he likes I'm the a, uniform matches. Well, he always makes a note. I, I don't know if it's that I'm a big uniform guy. It's that I'm not a big alternate uniform guy. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, my, these are not very alternate looking. Which That's is the thing. a reason why I liked them a lot. <laughs> yes, a lot Orange and white uniforms look good. <laughs> you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. <laughs> That's of, always my take. A lot of times when people are like, those uniforms suck or they're super ugly, I'm always like, yeah, I can see where, you know, I kind of like it. I'm always like on the side of liking the uniforms. I can't think of a lot of uniforms I hate or think are ugly, so... Easy to please, I guess. There you go. Low maintenance. It's a great. It's a great ability to have. They're nice. With They're uniform. nice. They're not nice with all jerseys. things, Ryan. Let's not get it twisted. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And Tennessee did say that they were a direct throwback to what the 1936 team who who had yeah, the, the same, classic because the name yeah yeah who had the same kind of exact vol script across the front. So it's a it's a great throwback and it'll be great. Before you go off hounding UT Vol Shop on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, they've already said that they're not going to be carrying those jerseys this year. Uh, there's been quite a few tweets to it under this Tennessee basketball account. But, gentlemen, I think that is going to wrap it up for us today. Man, we're we're a little over 50 minutes at this point. So uh, long show today, but, boy, did we hit a lot of good stuff, had a lot of good conversation along the way. Appreciate everything you guys did. Absolutely, Rick. Looking forward to the next. Yeah. So what, we got... Lady Vols UConn Thursday night, which is tonight. Jack will be there at that one. Then we fast forward to Saturday morning. We have college game day inside of Thompson Bling Arena right here in Knoxville. One of us will be there. We do have plans for being there, so make sure you are locking into Rocky Top Insider for college game day coverage on Saturday morning. I believe the show starts at 11 o'clock a.m., and it goes till noon. So kind of be on the lookout around then on Saturday morning. Then you come Saturday night, 8 o'clock p.m., from Thompson Bling Arena. That will be – excuse me, I don't know – Eight or six? Six. Six. Six, six, excuse me. Ladies are at eight tonight. So 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Saturday night. Top 10 tilt. Tennessee and Texas battling it off on the court. Should be a lot of fun. We will be there covering the whole thing, so make sure you're locked in. Make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider on all five different social media accounts. That would be Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. 
We are on there every single day. We are posting new stuff. Just posted a picture of clogging Zeb Ross yesterday from the Georgia uh, from, <laughs> from the Georgia game here in Knoxville at halftime. That was wonderful. That's already going off for, for 100,000-plus views. So we're always posting on our social medias. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that on Twitter, at rshump00. If you want to follow Jack, you can do that on Twitter, at Jack Foster Media. And if you want to follow myself, you can follow me at Rick underscore Butler. But again, just making sure you're checking out Rocky Tump and Center each and every day. Make sure you are also leaving us an awesome five-star recruit rating for this show on wherever you are getting your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or somewhere else in between. Make sure you're leaving us that awesome five-star recruit rating. We would love to see that from you. But otherwise, man, we have a, such a great time just kind of hanging out here in studio, talking a little Tennessee sports, hanging out with each other, and getting you some great audio. So we'll continue doing that. You continue following along with Rocky Top Insider for all of the best Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast with Jack Foster, Ryan Schumpert, and Rick Butler. We'll see you back for the next one. We'll see you back tonight, Thursday night, for a little Lady Vols coverage. We'll see you back on Saturday for the Tennessee-Texas coverage. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy.